0: This is Jonathan Hansen.
1: I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio Program. Wherever you're listening to me throughout the United States or around the world, welcome. Today I'm doing a program with Bishop John Lute from Nairobi, Kenya, and we're using Skype. So, uh, John, welcome to the Warning Radio Program. Thank
2: you very much, sir. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Great pleasure. Um, hi, Hello to each and every person all over the world. My name is John Lute thank you
1: all right now i understand that you pastor overflowing wisdom is that correct yes sir all right well why don't you tell us a little bit about your ministry how is god using you well first
2: of all i i want to give this opportunity and just thank the lord almighty for such a privilege to be able to be speaking for warning radio it's truly a privilege to, you know, be among those voices that have been honored to be able to communicate the light of the Spirit, and I bless the Lord for that. Secondly, I want to thank God for the man of God, the father of the house, Mr. Jonathan, and I want to bless him and his, uh, bless God for him and his wife for such an opportunity. My name is John Lute. I come from a country called Kenya. It's in the east side of Africa, and at the very young age of around 14 years of age, I got a call. To be able to, you know, I felt that there was a leading in the spirit to be able to communicate uh, something that at that particular time I was not yet ready to understand. I I didn't know exactly what it was. So I began by, you know, wanting to really find out. I I really knew there was something that I needed to do, but I did not know how. So I found out uh, that each and every time we were in school and probably there's an issue, I'll be the first person to go there and correct the problem you know, to try and bring a solution, a positive solution and such kind of things. So this thing grew, grew, grew. I found myself in crusades and I was very intrigued by people who are ministering the gospel. I, and I remember at one point I was seated back there and I was like, man, one day I would like to, even me myself, be able to teach this person, I hear them call Jesus. So it grew from one point to another. Uh, By the grace of God, at the age of 19, I managed to begin, you know, moving from here to there, teaching, or should I use the word preaching by then, the word of God. I had not yet gone to any Bible school, so it was just raw. And, you know, I just had a zeal for the gospel. So I began like that. All of a sudden, it's now 10 years later that we are doing ministry for the glory and honor of the kingdom. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. 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 So you're you're the senior pastor now of Overflowing Wisdom.
2: Yeah, actually, Overflowing
1: Wisdom, you're very
2: right, but Overflowing Wisdom is a TV program, but the name of the church is called Share the Love Center. Share the Love Center.
1: All right. So on Share the Love Center, what is the focus? What is the vision, the mission of the church?
2: Love is the mission. I came to realize you can prophesy accounts, you can prophesy names, you can prophesy even what people are wearing, but if you do not have love, you are empty. You can be the greatest businessman, but if you do not have love, you are empty. You can be the greatest pastor, the greatest leader, the greatest politician, the most revered man on earth, but if you do not have love, you are empty. So the core value of Share the Love Center is to share this love. And I came to realize it's very possible to share the love because that is the only thing God is calling us to do. That the only way our gifts can have eternal value is when love is the foundation. Hallelujah.
1: Yes, love covers a multitude of sins. Love breaks the barriers. Love sets the captives free. Love brings the anointing. Through love, there's healing and deliverance. So that whole I think the name is uh, quite beautiful, Share the Love Center, because if people will really find the love of God, all things are possible. Amen, amen, amen. Now, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's talk a little bit about that, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So, John, uh, why don't you share what you feel about the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Yes, yes. When I got this topic from the man of God, I really want to say that I
2: bless the Lord for such a moment, because if there is something I love, love teaching, it is on the subject of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I would say this not because I'm any better than anyone, but simply because our desires. I keep saying that we can share the title of a Christian, all of us Christians, but our results are not equal. And that is where we go different, because our results are dependent on the depth of Elohim we have discovered. So I came to realize that you can be a Christian, but the depth of God you deposit, how much of God is deposited in you, that is what makes the difference. And this is why you see there are dimensions that were represented by Elijah. Why? Because of the depth that he had journeyed in God. There are dimensions that were represented by Moses because of the depth that he has journeyed in God. So every dimension is a proof of a man's relationship with Elohim. So when I heard about this title about teaching on the very subject that I love is the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and I want to begin by first of all deconstructing what Christianity is not. Christianity is not a Sunday affair. It has never been and it will never be. Christianity is what you call a daily dose into a certain dimension that can only be possible through the channel of the church. It is not a day that we allocate, and then we say that now this day belongs to God. No, Christianity is a dimension that we use to capture the full angles of Elohim. So when I was told to share on this subject, kingdom, it is a very undiluted subject that many of us Christians ignore, and for those of us that tend to teach it, it's not yet a full revelation of what it is. Now, for us to be able to understand, we'll be opening two chapters. I refer to my Bible as the constitution. Most of my time, when you hear me probably on my broadcast, I normally use the word constitution, because you cannot begin to study the kingdom without, first of all, understanding constitution. Every kingdom is as powerful as the constitution that governs it. Remember that. Every kingdom is as powerful as the constitution that governs it. So now, for us to be able to understand this constitution, this kingdom that we are talking about, the kingdom that God brought that we are going to go into, we must first of all have the ability to open our constitution. What is our constitution? the rights of the dimension and the rights of a kingdom as represented by a king or given by a king. So that forms the constitution. It is not something you debate about. You cannot take two, three judges, ten judges, put them in a court and now overthrow the word of the constitution. It's not amendable. In this kingdom, our constitution is the word of God. This word of God happens to be the foundation of everything. Every dimension of God is captured in this constitution. The first book we would like us to refer to is the book of Matthew 6 from verse 31. Let us read what the writer was able to capture in his days concerning this constitution. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we be of these things? Do not even allow your mind to begin to think on these three dimensions. The first dimension is what shall we eat? The second dimension is what shall we drink? And the third dimension is what shall we wear? Verse 32, why should we not think about these things? The answer is right there. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek So the Gentiles are those that are not yet in the system of the kingdom. The topic we are discussing today is the kingdom and its righteousness. I'm going to explain the kingdom first, and then I'm going to come to a word that has been underused or under understood, which is the word righteousness. So we are going to deal with these things very different. So verse 32, it says, for after all, if you look for these things, or if you seek for these things, you are not any different from a Gentile so we will know the spirit of the gentiles we see it a lot in the church of today a lot of gentile why because of where we derive our grace from we look for material things and if you are the kind of a person that is seeking for these things then you are the same as a gentile the question is who is a gentile a gentile is the one that is not yet discovered the path of the kingdom of god you are a gentile the people that were not yet captured, those that have not yet an idea of what God is about, those ones that do not yet have an appreciation of understanding the light, God refers to them as the Gentiles. They were not part of the kingdom program, but by the grace of God, we who are once Gentiles are no longer Gentiles. We are now sons. Why? Because you have discovered the kingdom of God. Now, verse 33, there is a statement that it says there. It says, but even though you have these problems, God is trying to tell us he is not a fool. God is not a person who does not know that we need these things. So, verse 33, the Bible says, But he ye seeketh ye us the kingdom of God. So, this kingdom is courtesy of seeking. God told us, In order for you to achieve the results of the kingdom, seeking must be deployed. So, we must deploy the technology of seeking in order for us to discover these dimensions of the kingdom. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Two things, kingdom, and then second thing, after seeking the kingdom, are you able to go after righteousness? So it is impossible for any man to document righteousness without first discovering the kingdom. It is after you discover the kingdom that the walk of righteousness becomes evident to you. So it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. After doing these things, the very same things that the Gentiles were looking for, they will look for you. The very same life, the things that the Gentiles spend their time looking for. When you begin to seek the kingdom and the kingdom's righteousness, That kingdom will make whatever you need to bring this kingdom to pass. It will bring those things to you. Before I continue further, let's take another scripture that one writer by the name Isaiah captured in his days concerning this very kingdom, so that we will know this is not a kingdom that began to be spoken of in the New Testament. It was brought to being. By some men of God, our fathers of old, way back in the days of old. Now, before I expound more on this kingdom issue, I want us to read the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And there is something I want us to read there from verse 5. Let us study there. It says, For by every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garment rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. Verse 6. It says this. For unto us, to us, a child is born. And then it says, at the same time unto us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, I want to explain this so that we go deeper in this kingdom and righteousness issue. Unto us, a child is born, and then unto us, a son is given. You know, in order for you to understand this, you must be able to, first of all, ask yourself a question. What does it mean for the child to be born and for the son to be given? You need to understand when it says, unto us, a child is born. It is Jesus through the womb of Mary. That is what you mean by a child being born. Then the Bible continues and says, unto us, a son is given. The son was not born. Mary did not give birth to the son of God. Mary gave birth to the child Jesus. Now, when the Bible says unto us a son is given, how was the son given? John is the greatest revelator that told us how this happened. He says, for I saw the Spirit of God descend upon him, and then there was a voice that was spoken, this is my son. It is at that point when John baptized Jesus that the son was given. I hope that is understood very well. So the child is the person that came forth through Mary. And then the son is the person that was brought by the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the person of John. So that one is understood. Now, when these two dimensions are complete, something is going ahead. He says, and the government, and the government, this is the same word for kingdom. This is the same word for rulership. This is the same word for authority. The government shall be upon his shoulder. So we see that the most important thing to God is his government. And if we do not understand his government, we will be caught up in a religion. We will be caught up in a religious act, thinking that we are doing things that have the kingdom of God as the beneficiary, but it is actually a religion. So why would God put an emphasis on the government before he even continues? Check the statement as it says, and his name, before God goes to his name, There is something about this government he wants us to study. And this is what I bless God for the man of God for creating this channel so we can bring light and shed light towards this kingdom that is always not taught well. Now, let me start this by explaining it this way. I told you earlier on that we can look at certain dimensions of earth and be able to learn about certain dimensions of heaven. That's why the Bible says the kingdom of God is like. He gives a reference with earthly systems. The kingdom of God is like. He gives a reference with earthly systems. So there are dimensions on earth that can make us discover dimensions in heaven. Now, I want us to study an earthly kingdom so that we can be able to understand these things. Let's take, for example, United Kingdom. Okay, sir? Let's take, for example, United Kingdom. Yes. Or should I use England? Or should I use... Uh, you know, the Bahamas, anything that has a kingdom mindset with it. Unfortunately, America might not necessarily be there or some of the countries in Africa we might not yet experience. And I came to realize simply because of this shortage of experiences, even the way we dissect the word of God, it is totally locked on our depth in experiences. So someone who is already coming from a kingdom setup, when you begin to teach kingdom principles, it is easy to understand. And this is why Paul's conversion did not have a lot of thought. Paul had an understanding of Rome. He was a Roman citizen. He was a kingdom citizen. So when another king appeared, he had to call him Lord. He called him Lord. Why? Because he has an understanding of an earthly kingdom. Now, let's take, for example, kingdoms that we know exist on earth, okay? Now, let's take, for example, what is a kingdom? a kingdom is a rulership, a kingdom comprises of a king and his dominion. Before you even come to the citizen, a king and what the king has to offer, that is what you call his dominion, okay? Now, the kingdom of God, when we begin to talk about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you must first of all study the dimensions of the earthly kingdom, okay? So in the earthly kingdom, this is how the kingdom operates. First of all, You need to understand a king is not voted in. A king is a king. There is no voting in that takes place in order for someone to be a king. Okay? That's why it's called a kingdom. Those are the dimensions of a kingdom. Number one, a king is a king. You found him a king and he will forever be a king. Secondly, a king has his word as law. So anytime a king passes a word, that word is not to be debated. That word happens to be law, And we can check it in many dimensions of scripture. The woman who made sure that the head of John the Baptist was cut. Why? Because a king spoke. And when a king speaks, no matter what he thinks, whether be it good or be it bad, it becomes the law of the day. Okay? Now, the third dimension, you need to understand this. When you talk about a kingdom, you must think about the word colonization. Man of God, I really want the people of all over the world to understand this very well because I feel that um, we need to really shed light on this topic. Now, the reason why I'm introducing the word colonization is because of this. There is no king who does not want to expand his kingdom, who does not want to expand his territory. That is one of the nature of a king. So for that to happen, the system of colonization, All right. So when I was in school, we were taught about what you call a clone. It's not a spiritual word. It's a scientific word that represents the beginning of digestion to the end. The reason why I'm using this as a prefix is so that we can be able to understand what this kingdom is about. And because of time, I will not be able to dive deep. Probably the man of God will give us another opportunity. But for now, you must understand it this way. God's greatest agenda is his government. God's greatest agenda is not the, your ministry. God's greatest agenda is not your calling. If your calling does not represent his government, your calling has no purpose. And this is why we are coming back to this gospel of the kingdom. So what is the kingdom? The kingdom is God's governing idea implemented upon earth. Now, if you understand that, the question would be, what is righteousness? Righteousness righteousness is very simple it is not you not fornicating although that is not bad it is not you not lying although that is not bad those are under dimensions of the word righteousness the word righteousness it is the word right standing with your government right standing when your government is when you think about it think about it this way an ambassador has no will When an ambassador is elected, he's not elected to represent his interest or the interest of his mind or the interest of his people. He's represented, he's there to represent the interest of his leader. This is why we are called as ambassadors. And this is why any Christian who still has the power of choice, it is a sign you have not died enough. One of the things that God takes away when you begin to follow the path of righteousness being in right standing with your government. That's what it means. So when your government tells you it is good that you may pray without ceasing, you praying without ceasing is being rightfully standing with your government. When your government shall says that thou shall not steal, you implementing that word is standing right with the constitution of your country. Okay? So the word righteousness, it means implementation of the constitution of your country. Not just hearing it, but doing it. So when you look at it from an ambassadorial mindset, an ambassador has no will. The purpose of an ambassador is to represent the interest of his government, even though he is in a foreign land. This is the same concept with a Christian. We are in a foreign land. The Bible says we are in this world, but we are not of the world. But that does not make us not to have the constitution of our country. So even though we are in another dimension, we should still live as the kingdom that we came from. In this kingdom, we don't steal. When you choose not to steal, the kingdom considers you to be righteous. It is not by works yet any man should boast. But at the same time, the Bible tells us, work out your salvation with fear and trembling." What is working out? Righteousness understanding what the law, what the word of God wants for your life. That is what you call righteousness. Righteousness is when you begin to pursue the heart of God over your own will, over your own agenda, over your own mind, over your own ideas. The heart of God becomes your interest. The heart of God becomes your interest. So when you really want to understand these systems of the kingdom, you must understand that God is a king. So if God is a king, you make him a king, you not believing in God does not change God's kingship. You not accepting God does not change anything about God. It is you that it changes. It does not change God. Secondly, the kingdom of God is God's original idea for humankind, God's original idea for creation. God's original idea began in the spirit. And when God began, I hope you know man man did not begin in the spirit. I mean, in the flesh, he began in the spirit. So what God did, he gave you a body. And his idea is to colonize earth. How does God want us to colonize earth? Kingdom and righteousness. The government of God coming. Hence, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come. The righteousness of God is the word of God being a lifestyle. The word of God being a lifestyle. Not just teaching it, but living it. Do you remember there is one part the Bible says that to anyone that hears the word and does not do. So it is not just about hearing the word, hearing the word. It is doing the word. And it is very unfortunate for my generation, we are beginning to take shortcuts. You know, shortcuts that to try and achieve results that are only prayer oriented by trying to show men the other gospel. I don't know which gospel that is. We tend to think that grace is a, rep- is a replacement of law. It is not a replacement of law. Grace is an empowerment for law to be fulfilled. Those are the precepts of the kingdom. The laws of the kingdom do not change. God did not come to take away, the Bible says, but that the law through him might be fulfilled. So that when you carry the gospel of the kingdom, these very laws that were alien when you are not in the kingdom, all of a sudden become automatic as you begin to follow the kingdom of God and His righteousness in Jesus' mighty
1: name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Warning Radio program. My special guest, John Lute, he's a bishop in Nairobi, Kenya, pastors the church, Share the Love Center. And we're going to have him on again for a part two of the kingdom of God and His righteousness. May God richly bless you. I'll see you tomorrow.